Welcome to the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. My name is Andrew James Brown and I'm the minister of the Unitarian Church in Cambridge, UK. Knowing that full scope always eludes our grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that we have perceived nothing completely and that, therefore, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk, I hope that, on occasions, you'll find here a helpful liberal, religious and philosophical reflection that encourages you to journey through life, making footprints rather than blueprints. Welcome. A reasonable but passionate plea for the recovery, or rather restoriation, of apocalyptic language within liberal religion. A short thought for the day offered to the Cambridge Unitarian Church as part of the Sunday service of mindful meditation. Last week a member of the congregation, Jerry, chose to read for us chapter 8 of the book of Amos. As he intimated, progressive liberal religious traditions have inherited some important ideas from Amos, such as the belief that religious sacrifices could never atone for bad deeds, and that the only genuine service of God was to be found not in public displays of religion, but only in acts of justice and righteousness. This basic stance was, of course, something shared by the other 8th century prophetic writers, Isaiah, Hosea and Micah, and 300 years later, by Jesus. Many liberals remain happy about these influences, But what makes many of them squirm more than a little uncomfortably is these ancient figures' repeated use of apocalyptic imagery, which is intent on showing or describing extremely bad future events, up to and including the very end of the world. So the question is, why do some modern liberals squirm so uncomfortably when they hear apocalyptic language being used? Here's one possible explanation. It's important to know that during the 16th century Radical Reformation, liberal religion's earliest forebears wholly accepted the use of apocalyptic language because it spoke directly to their own situation. On the one hand, in challenging the enormous power of both the ancient Roman Catholic Church and the new church institutions of the magisterial Protestant Reformation, they knew they were going to face some extremely bad future events. And, on the other hand, they also still believed in, and were eagerly awaiting for, the arrival of an all-powerful God from on high, whose second coming was going to bring about the total end of the old corrupt world before establishing a radically new creation. However, With the slow loss of belief in an external, all-powerful, interventionist God during the 18th and 19th centuries, the threat of a soon-to-come divinely initiated apocalypse slowly receded. And as the effects of science, industry and nascent social reform began to spread everywhere, there also began to develop a sense that, despite the occasional setback, we were all now heading inexorably towards an assured golden future. In short, liberal religion came to believe it had safely left behind the need for apocalyptic language and we became increasingly uncomfortable with its use. However, I hope I do not need to rehearse with you the slow cancellation of belief in this assured golden future 
that has occurred during the 20th and early 21st centuries. And although many more people than ever can now no longer believe in the god Amos worshipped, and as a Christian atheist I am assuredly among that number, everyone everywhere is becoming uncomfortably aware of something that was always already utterly obvious to Amos, namely that the progress of humanity onward and upwards forever is not an inevitable outcome written into reality. In short, as a sense of the possible apocalyptic end of the world as we currently know it has come disturbingly close to us once again, thanks to climate change, we are simultaneously finding that we have lost the language with which we can talk about this with each other. Consequently, as far as I'm concerned, in addition to keeping alive the still relevant critique of the dominant social, political, economic and religious consciousness of the time in which Amos lived, a critique which was aimed at nothing less than the dismantling and destruction of all unjust structures and systems of oppression, we need to explore mythopoetic ways by which we may not restore, but certainly restory apocalyptic language. This is a restoriation, so that even in the absence of God, it can once again re-energise our modern imaginations and help us see, as Amos, Isaiah, Hosea, Micah and Jesus saw, that despite our political, economic, financial and industrial leaders telling us again and again that there is no alternative to our current destructive ways of being in the world, that's Tina, T-I-N-A, there is no alternative, that, on the other hand, astonishingly, there is an alternative. Tatiana, that, astonishingly, there is another alternative. It's well worth remembering at this point in proceedings that etymologically speaking, the word apocalyptic derives from the Greek word which simply means to uncover. What was uncovered for both the 8th century prophetic writers and Jesus was that another genuinely new and better world is always possible. We clearly need to uncover this possibility in our own age. One place in Amos where we stand a chance of experiencing what this possibility viscerally feels like can be found in chapter 5, verse 24, perhaps the most famous verse of the book. It reads, quote, But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Unquote. Many people especially liberals, have tended to hear this verse as saying that the waters of justice and righteousness will continue unabated, progressively to refresh and gently and slowly wash our world ever more clean. But in an age when the world is clearly showing signs of exhaustion and is getting rougher and dirtier, it's becoming harder and harder to hear Amos's words in this way. But what Amos was actually describing in this verse was not some safe, bucolic, babbling stream, but an apocalyptic flash flood, something that is becoming more common everywhere, day by day. We now know 
that unless we radically change our ways, down a riverbed somewhere near us, parched dry by our lack of justice and righteousness, there really is going to come a chaotic, muddy wall of water that is capable of destroying everything in its path, including, as Amos believed, the oppressive social, political, economic and religious systems and structures that have brought about our present parlous situation. Somehow, as religious liberals, we need to reconnect our desire for justice and righteousness with the radical, urgent energy of Amos's apocalyptic flash flood. Apocalyptic language can't in and of itself change anything, but if it can be restored well, then it can still radically enthuse and change us, and we may yet be able to change things. Let those with ears hear, those with eyes see. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. So, farewell for now, and remember, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. See you on the path.